Blog Talk Radio. With a bright flashlight to illuminate night Free thought, we don't walk by space In a lost mind state, cause it's not quite safe We don't recruit, we're not peers from a church So don't be spooked, we're not here to convert The only truth that's not pulled from a text Show me proof that's not good after death This is the challenge to think for yourself Break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt 310-982-4273 to get through A venue for community and this is the zone If you'd like to speak with Kim then pick up the phone 310-982-4273 to get through The next tree branch is Rainer and it's best you listen to Reason, science, and skepticism It's loaded with straight facts, inspiring and dope She can make Bill Nye retire his lab coat Humans are hilarious and every other Friday I'd like to hear commentary on culture, people So I hit up Super Mario and bring in Emmeline To discuss why we're capable of ultra evil It's normal for my brain to have a two-way street But if it's collision, well then you got to just mention it And don't be afraid of where the truth may lead Ignoring your position of cognitive dissonance My Father Teresa preaches, it's hard to stop So Kim paired me up with Alfred in the barbershop I have a extended family in all these places now As the free thought tree pollinates around this is the challenge to think for yourself Break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt 310-982-4273 to get through A venue for community and this is the zone If you'd like to speak with Kim then pick up the phone 310-982-4273 to get through Black Where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night we don't walk by faith in a lost mind state because it's not quite safe. Good evening, everyone. How's it going? I want to wish everybody a happy Friday and welcome to our new installment of Black Freethinkers Radio. Uh, it's been a while um, since we've been on the air, uh, me and Alfred, and I just want to welcome everyone to the show. Um, before we start, I just want to remind you of the number. We want to hear from you. Please call in at 310-982-4273. Um, you know, we want to hear your voice, and we have a very important issue to discuss tonight, um, you know, and uh, along with me, I'm Carl, uh, we have Alfred in the house with us tonight, and we also have Kim and Raina, if you guys are there, please say hello to the audience. Hey, everybody. Hey, good evening, everybody. How is everyone doing? Um, as I said, this is our first time back on the air in a little while, um, you know, all kinds of things went down for all of us, and uh, finally we have a chance now to, to jump back on and and, and 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 talk about what's going on out there. Um, and I, it's funny because the issue that we're discussing tonight, I was talking about it earlier on this week. It was a little more academic than um, earlier on. It was just academic to me. And then, unfortunately, you know, my friends, um, my colleagues here with me on the air right now lost a good friend to it. You know, we're, we're discussing the issue of domestic violence and domestic abuse and 
unfortunately, um, it's not just we're not we're not going to be doing it um, in just an academic manner anymore. Just speaking of you know hypothetical scenarios or statistics. Um, once again, unfortunately, uh, this has had a real effect on people's lives. Um, my colleagues have lost a good friend, a dear friend, and you know some children are orphans now, and you know I, I don't know how much more you know clear we have to make it. You know I don't know how much clearer we have to to to, to get on the issue that something needs to be done about the issue of domestic violence. Um, you know, I didn't know her or I never got the chance to meet her, and unfortunately I never will. So um, I'm going to turn it over to, if if possible, I want to turn it over to Kim and Raina. You know, they, they may have known her a little bit better. I wanted them to elaborate a little bit further and let the audience know who it is I'm talking about, and, um, you know, we can go from there. Um, I did not know her at all. Um, I think um, Emmalyn and, and Vita um, in particular uh, knew her <laughs> pretty well, so um, I, I I wouldn't feel comfortable speaking about that situation, not knowing her. I do feel um, feel sorry for what happened to her and, and, and obviously um, for her family's loss and... Um, for the lot for her loss, you know, for you know, for her friends that she left behind as well. Um, mm-hmm. Heart goes out to all of them. Exactly, exactly. And I was familiar with her in passing. You know, um, a few words here and there on a couple of status updates, and I would see her around in a couple of groups making comments here and there, and. You know, from what I had gathered, um, she was, you know, a lovely, wonderful young person with three beautiful children. And I saw the reaction in the community, and I felt that we needed to add a voice to this discussion. Now, for those that are familiar with the Black Freethinkers Network, Radio Network, we tackle a lot of different issues, and we've touched upon domestic violence in the past. You know, we talk about a lot of different social issues, and if you're listening, we have a vast archive for you to go back and to listen to. But this is a conversation that we've needed to have for a long time. And, you know, we want to talk about it on a number of different levels, not only with you know, um, talking about, you know, a hetero couple, you know, in domestic violence, because the way that this young woman lost her life was tragic. Um, she was in the process of getting divorced, or they had gotten divorced, and apparently she had, you know, raised red flags to a few people in the community as to her fear about that particular situation and the fear of her ex-husband. And you know, this situation happened in which he killed her and turned around and committed suicide. And it's tragic because, you know, again, there are three children that are left behind. There's, you know, families that have been left in upheaval and, you know, the friends and acquaintances. And so, you know, my heart and condolences goes out to all of them. And that's why I want us to take this situation and, and turn it into, you know, 
you know, a learning situation, whereas we can talk about these different issues. So, you know, we wanted to hit on a few subjects tonight, not only with hetero couples, but, you know, you have um, same-gender-loving couples. You have teenagers that, you know, have, you know, experienced this. Um, and, you know, and again, you know, it's just it's so much. You know, um, what I find ironic about some of this is some of the same people who pass around those videos and those memes in which people are violent against other people and 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 some people think that those memes are funny but in in many cases they're advocating domestic violence so i just think we need to go in and and discuss and define domestic violence because it's not just you know intimate partner violence again this could be two kids on the street this could be a parent and a child you know there are just many factors in this so i just wanted to make sure that we broaden the discussion tonight Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, it, it, I think it's also me, important to keep it in mind that there's a disproportionate amount of of domestic violence that actually occurs with black women and that there's a number <laughs> of black women missing across the country right at this moment who are who are in fact victims of intimate partner violence, but um, but due to you know, racism and, you know, sometimes even, you know, depleted resources in some of these jurisdictions, these women will never be found or their killers never captured. Um, so I think it's really important, particular, while, while obviously not limiting our discussion to any one group, um, mm-hmm. you know, to, to obviously keep in mind that there are, you know, there are, uh, certain groups that are more vulnerable than others. You know, um, trans women are particularly sure. vulnerable to to um, to homophobic and, and transphobic violence. But um, you know, but since we're c- talking about domestic violence tonight, you know, um, I think it's important that we make sure that we uh, keep in mind that women of color, um, particularly Native American women, Latino women or Latina women and um, black women are pretty um, pretty vulnerable. Yeah, extremely yeah. susceptible. I, I don't think you there, – there, there's been so many studies and, and, and surveys done at this point that I, I, I don't believe at this point we can act as if, you know, I don't think people can still act like there's not a problem. Um, it's been so many different studies. I mean, not even studies anymore. I, down here in South Florida, we had a guy that was so brazen um, in his abuse of his significant other, he was on camera uh, uh, beating her in the middle of a Burger King and dragged her out into the street. So it, it's not a it, – it's not a – we, we can't say that it's, no one knows about it. It's not like a silent epidemic like heart disease or diabetes. This is happening at a point now where it's becoming visible. And what's bothering me, um, honestly, is what, what is it? Because we can say, yes, there is systematic racism involved with how these cases get ignored or get pushed to the side. Um, but within the community, 
within our community, within the black community, I'm, I'm seeing like this nonchalance about something where like every other young woman is in the middle of some kind of violent, abusive relationship, but everyone seems to just, you know, it just falls off our backs in, in a way that's somewhat disturbing to me. I'm trying to figure out where that comes from. Um, it would well, be I'd like of... to answer that. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Alfred. Well, I was going to say, I actually, I, I can think of a few scenarios. Growing up, you know, I am also guilty of this, of being very ignorant as to how uh, a patriarchy works and what a patriarchy even was before any of this, before I became a bit more um, enlightened. Right. I would hear certain things. And when I say certain things, these certain scenarios, you know, a guy getting married to, uh, you know, a young lady or whatever, and he's him saying something along the lines of, you know, I'm not the marriage type of person. If, you know, if, if she get married to me, that's it. She ain't get married to nobody else. And it's mm-hmm. not... It's not anything overtly aggressive or overtly dangerous. It's what it implies. Because mm-hmm. knowing this person for an extended period of time, I know this person is somewhat unstable and has anger issues. So hearing rejection uh, coming from uh, his his future spouse wouldn't go very well after he's already made the determination that she's not going to nobody else and neither am I. So this mm-hmm. this is the this is as far as the buck gets passed, and so we have instances of stuff like that, and you know we just got we really don't say anything, you know, oh uh, yeah okay, and we don't think about it twice, you know, shutting that down immediately um, is where we need to be at, and where we need to recognize the actual problem. The marginalization starts with us, as black mm-hmm. men, and it starts there, being being perpetuated by us. Um, yeah, females always know where that double standard comes in because they encounter it much often than we do. We can recognize it as it happens, as we're told, but at being the sole perpetuators of this, we are the ones that actually need to step forward and say, okay, this is not cool. Okay, you saying what she will and what she won't do, you know, that kind of thing, that thing, that needs to stop. That, that whole idea of when you get married to me, this piece of paper, that ring is actually a chain. And that change yeah. to me and vice versa. So, I mean, and that goes for uh, any domestic issues on, on both ends because I have I have worked with a woman who routinely beat her husband. Uh, right. And that, that was, I worked close, and she was, uh, <laughs> for lack of a better term, a nice person, but I couldn't get over that. And she had no problem saying that she did. So mm. that mentality of ownership is really at the core of this, and that, that person is not autonomous anymore. This, this, this marriage, this union that we now have uh, means that I have a certain level of control over you. And so it, we see the manifestation of that with uh, this abuse. And just, I, I'm not sure if it was Emlyn, I, I didn't catch, uh, I, I didn't recognize the voice, but the domestic violence against women of color is dramatically different than other races. I actually pulled up, uh, I think progress, says over... Um, Fifty uh, percent of Native American females have been raped, beaten, or stalked by intimate partners. Moreover, thirty uh, percent African American women have been subjected to domestic violence and uh, abuse. So this, this is something that you know, like you said, studies and stuff. And those are just reported incidents. I mean, think about yeah. all of the women who aren't, who who haven't, who either haven't come across a researcher or a police officer to make. Um, that statement too. 
you know. Oh. Um, but the but the other thing about it is, is um, I mean, uh, of course, on the one hand, there's there's patriarchy is involved, but um, there's also um, racialized sexism involved yeah. too. Um, uh-huh. Women of color, particularly black women, are not seen as particularly feminine. And so exactly. there's this perception that we're more masculine and therefore because we're more masculine that we cannot be victims. And, um, you know, the this, this strong black woman, the angry black woman stereotype um, that gets used against us um, is, is, part, is, is part of why um, some of us are, are uh, I guess, are loath to come forward because um, we, we think that... Um, it means that there's something wrong with us because we're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to carry the family, you know. Yeah. Um, that 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 being victim um, means there's something wrong with our character. That there's something, you know, wrong with us, and and that's not necessarily the case. And um, there's, of course, um, you know, of course, even I mean, even with like law enforcement, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. I think it even plays out with law enforcement. I, I, I've I've heard of situations where where women of color were not taken seriously by law enforcement mm-hmm. when they tried to call. You know, um, then of course you know there's there's oh, there's other factors involved. Um, for example, with the um, with the restraining order, you know, with the order of protection. You know, if you're a woman of color who lives in a poor neighborhood you may not be able to call the police and get assistance immediately. Mm-hmm. It might take it might take a half hour, an hour, or more. And by that mm-hmm. time, what has happened? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Another incident have taken place? I'm sorry? And, oh, uh, I'm sorry. Go to work, get pretty busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It, so, it can be yeah, a number so, of issues. It could be a number of issues that can take place. Um, you know, another incident could have happened, a murder, I mean, anything. Um, so, there, so there's that. And, and then we need to provide, um, I think, more resources. And I think we also have to, when women come forward and they tell us that, you know, something is wrong or when we see the bruises or when we see the signs, we have to, we have to say something. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we have right. to stand up for what's right. And when they tell us that they're in pain, we have to believe them. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and here's, I'm sorry, I didn't want to cut I'm gonna ask if I could, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I just wanted to add to that as well. And we have to also deal with the mindset of people. We have to get beyond this no snitch, you know, didn't see, don't know anything about that situation when you know that in certain situations someone has been thrown through the wall from one apartment into your apartment and you saw what happened and you knew what was happening if that person was being abused, whether it was a child or an adult, you know, and and we need to work on our, you know, perceptions, our, you know, our mentality, because there are some people with this type of violence, um, they, it's been normalized. And we have to do something about that. There's nothing normal about this. You know, I've always said in the past, and I'll say it again today, you know, some of the dysfunction has become so commonplace that it is now deemed Mm -hmm. normal. And we need to go back and redefine what's normal and what's not normal, if you will. 
Absolutely. I and I've got a specific bone to pick um, with with the with our community in, in this respect. Um, Raina touched on something earlier about images of the black woman that people have internalized and uh, uh, kind of say kind of say, show why they get abused in the way they get abused. And one of the things that I really can't stand. And what led to the discussion um, that I wound up going up on my Facebook page was, again, Chris Brown, the whole Chris Brown incident with Rihanna and everything like that. What I've noticed, and I don't think I've ever really seen it in any other uh, uh, community makeup, uh, when you hear a woman is being abused, yes, you might hear that in that community, if a, a young white woman gets abused by her boyfriend or whatever, Yes, the community may remain ignorant or they may turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to her plight. But in our community, for some strange reason, we have this, uh, this, our community has this weird habit of blaming black women, their abuse on the fact that they talk too much. I don't know if anybody remembers. Uh, read, any, read any comment section regarding the Chris Brown-Rihanna incident, and the first thing out of their mouth, the first thing defending him ever is always, well, what did she say? Like that exactly. justifies her. Like she said something, and I'm like, dude, are you listening to yourself? It's, it's like you're listening to Celie and Sophie in The Color Purple, this weird mm-hmm. concept. It's like, she said something, so you beat her up in her car and bit her on the shoulder. Is that the justified response? I mean, right. what could she have possibly said? What could she possibly have said in, in well, regards this, to what, you know? I, it's this I, notion I, that somehow, is, again, it goes back to racialized sexism and this notion that yeah. black women are masculine and that they're somehow emasculating black men. And, yeah. right. you know, therefore, any any action that a black man takes in order to, quote, unquote, put her in her place is justified. Yeah. It's, and and going, um, going a step further than the Chris Brown and Rihanna situation, um, I brought this up on Twitter chat the other night. Um, you know, there is a, a, a phenomenon, and, we ta- and it, it was talked about, and, and even uh, Sakibu Hutchinson even wrote a, a piece, uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. Hutchinson even wrote a piece on her blog, about um, this sort of world star hip hop, you know, um, it, it's not it's not just world star hip hop, but in general, there's this um, there's this phenomena of entertainment around um, violence done against black women. Absolutely. And um, absolutely. And you know, there was the incident in the high school pep rally um, where they did a skit reenacting the Rihanna. Chris Brown incident. Um, there was another video that went around, and there was some debate. We even talked about it on Black Freethinker show. Um, mm-hmm. Young woman was um, involved in um, an argument with a with a police uh, with a bus driver, and she, um, I think she pushed and maybe even spat on him. And mm-hmm. the um, the bus driver got up and he, you know, he cold cocked her. And yeah, um, exactly. You know, it's. You know, and a whole bunch of people were saying, well, you know, um, you know, she deserved what she got and blah, 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 blah. 
But these situations did not have to escalate to all of that. But what was really telling, it was not so much the bus driver's reaction, although his reaction was telling, because even when he was speaking to her, he, you know, it was, um, I forget the exact dialogue, but there was something said along the lines of, if she's going to speak like a man, she's going to get hit, hit like, like a man. man. Yeah. 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 And so it revealed, it revealed, it revealed um, some of his um, mentality as well. But what's really revealing is, um, is is the extent to which that video was promoted and liked. I think I, I, I unfriended several people who promoted that video for that oh. very reason. Because Absolutely. Um, this, this notion that, that a woman must know her place and that she can't even, um, that she cannot speak in a particular way you know, granted the woman was out of control, granted that, mm-hmm. but it did not have to go. She spat on you and she pushed you. You know what I mean? Spit wipes off. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm pretty sure that, right. you know, the bruise will heal if it left a bruise. It was not necessary right. for you to cold cock her. Um, and so we have to start. And, and and it also feeds into a really negative another negative stereotype which we haven't which is um the the sort of overall stereotype of black people which is that black people are sort of un, uncontrollable you know and and savage and violent and so yeah. um it, that's why you know, it, 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 I was just going to say go ahead Raina yeah i was just going to say um you know and so it it just it just feeds into those stereotypes and it it glamorizes or, or or normalizes, as we said, you know, this type of violence. And um, we really have to think about those elements of our culture, you know, that yeah. um, make this shit okay. And, it's, and yeah. this shit is not okay. No, it is not. Uh, there's also this weird thing, too. And I've, in addition to your, your those, you know, videos uh, where we're seeing adult um, black women either being debased or flat out beaten in, in in the case you described, there's also this thing that we're that I'm seeing a lot of, and unfortunately, it's it, I'm seeing it happening more to young black women. Um, you'll see a video come up. You know, I think the one that was most popular in recent times were the young girls that were twerking and they were dancing and doing all that, and and the father breaks into the room and he starts lashing all of them, and that made the rounds. And this is there's this yeah. weird thing now where we're we're popularizing abuse as discipline. Exactly. And mm-hmm. and it, and it seems to be it seems to be directed more to young women, specifically young women of color. Like I took a picture on Facebook or I put my uh, thing up on Instagram or I took a or we were dancing a little sexy. And in reality, nothing's really happening. They're not sleeping with anybody. None of the girls were uh, in any kind of disrobed way where it's like, okay, that's a little bit much for a teenage girl, whatever. It wasn't any of those things. They're just dancing provocatively, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Even as a father of two girls, I might look at that a little side-eye. They weren't doing anything that warranted the type of beating that they received or humiliation. You know, okay, right. There's right. physical abuse, but there's clearly also 
psychological abuse going on. So what but do you look, say? At, so what? look at those comment sections again, because, again, it's yeah. revealing what's in those comment sections, because it's not just, oh, yes, I would do this to my own child, or, yeah, this is what those black bitches need. You yeah. know what I mean? Exactly. This is, you know, it's that kind of a thing. It's, it's that racialized sexism. We must right. control these black women. We have to keep them under thumb. And this is why I say we have to change the mentality. That's why I said when we have to talk about these things, because that's why I brought up the videos and the memes earlier, because, mm-hmm. you know, again, you know, I've, I've seen these passed around. I've seen people liking it, making comments, you know, endorsing this type of behavior. And that's why I said, you know, we have to open it up, you know, parent, child, teen, teen, whatever, and, and broaden the conversation because, again, you know, you have – some people out here that want to normalize this type of behavior. And, you know, it's really interesting because you'll see people saying, well, you know, I was beaten like that when I was a child and I came out okay. No, you didn't. No, you didn't, especially if, if the cycle is, you know, continuing to be perpetuated. And that's why I say we have to go in, we have to define it, and you, know, you have to be vocal about these things, you know, you know, so I guess the question is, you know, where do we go from here? Oh, I, it, Alfred said it best. Um, it's like calling it out. Call it out when we see it. And, and, and Raina said it as well. Listen when you hear people speaking out. When you hear a woman or a child or a man or, or anybody, or someone, some, some young person that's coming out of the closet, those, are, those, guys, those young people are... are experience domestic violence and domestic abuse in ways that, I, you know, me as a street person, I can't even relate to just for their sexuality. So I, so, so it's like Raina said, when you hear somebody speaking and they say, look, man, I'm going through it, don't turn a deaf ear to them. Uh, you know, don't say, well, you know, it gets better. Yes, it does, but it does through us taking some kind of decisive action in their favor. You know, even if it means listening or keep giving them a safe space or making sure that, you know, or standing in their defense. If a cop comes up and says, hey, man, did you? Yeah, I saw that happen. That guy's beating his wife or his daughter or his gay son or his transgender, you know, whatever. You, you know, we, we have to be those vocal uh, voices. And sometimes it might mean losing friends on, on, on our end, just standing up for, you know, standing up for any one of those people or those parties, standing up for that. We may lose, you know, our own friends and family that have their own narrow-minded view of, of, of the situation, but it would be worth it. I think, it, I think that's what it's come to in my mind. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, we have to do all of, the, all of those things, and, you know, we have to, we have to teach, we have to, we have to model you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This behavior for for children. You know what I mean? Um, how are they supposed to learn that they need to use their words and 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 find other ways of conflict resolution? If the um, well, certainly I I don't believe in corporal punishment, but no. I certainly believe that if it's going to be used, it should be used as like the very 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 last resort. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, um, if at all. You know, and, and I'm sorry? I said if at all. <laughs> yeah, if at all. I mean, look, I mean, 
we're probably not going to talk about this tonight, but I think that there, I think that there's um there's also something to be said about class in these discussions. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. There's something there's something to having the language to express oneself. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um and, and being able to have a conversation where where you express all of your feelings and um you feel and you and you and you're talking to someone who is able to hear and receive that. You know what I mean? Um sometimes sometimes even as an educated person I don't mm-hmm. have all the words. You know what I yeah. mean? To express how I feel. So believe me, I, think, I know what I you're think, saying. <laughs> exactly. So there's so there's also a class element um, to this, and um, you know, and and you know, sometimes you don't have time for that. Like sometimes it's just the weight of the world, and there's issues of hunger. You know, this week we we've heard about, you know, something that you know was probably obvious to a lot of us, but of course we have science to back it up now. You know that mm-hmm. when you're hungry, you know it's not the best time to have an argument. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. But we have households. You know what I mean? We have households where adults and children that maybe have not eaten all day or in several days or in a week. Right. You know what I mean? Or what no, they have is very little and not and they haven't received the proper nutrition. So we have to keep those factors in mind because those are factors. It's not to say that um, it excuses bad behavior, but it certainly plays into um, behaviors and, and how things can, can spiral out of control. And then, of course, there's a mental health aspect to this that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, untreated, untreated mental illnesses and things like that. So there's there's quite a lot of factors, economic issues. I mean, let's talk about the fact that a lot of people haven't been in, are still out of work from mm-hmm. two, three, four years ago, five years ago. No, you know absolutely. I mean? Exactly. So. There are a lot of people that are untreated, a lot of people that are undertreated, and there are many factors in this situation. But what's, you know, good is, you know, the dialogue, you know, at least in the small black atheist community in which we're involved, you know, the dialogue has begun, you know, the conversations have, you know, started, and, you know, again, I'm just looking at the situation as a whole, and there, you know, this is why we talk about social justice. This is why we talk about the issues um, in our communities, and that's why it's good that we have a voice because, you know, as Raina just stated a minute ago, you know, there are some people that do not have the language to express themselves or they don't even know, you know, what to say or how to say it. They just know something was done to them and it was wrong. But, again, going back to what we said earlier, some of the behavior has become so normalized that, you know, mm-hmm. they're confused. They, they know that, you know, this probably shouldn't be happening and they don't like the way that it feels. But everyone else around them is saying, well, that's normal. Get used to it. Get over it. So, you know, yeah. that's why these conversations are vital. Right. I, I, and here's the thing, and... As much as I, I believe we need to take an active role in social justice, I also, as for me, I want to jump on any any effort to hold our actual justice, our legal system, accountable for ignoring 
I'm going to say in this case primarily women that are being abused, primarily women that are being abused. And, and I'm going to use, because um, I'm here in Florida, and I'm going to use the two prominent cases where something could have been avoided if our legal system took the issue of, of domestic abuse, spousal abuse, spousal violence, if they took it seriously, a woman may, a kid might have been alive and a woman might not be incarcerated looking at 20 years in jail. I mean, Marissa right. Alexander, she was pushed to her very limit. I mean, when you have to actually pull out a gun and start taking warning shots at somebody, that's, that's the system failing you. The system has failed you. Her, sister, her situation was already on record, and she was pushed to the limit where, listen, it's either I walk out of here alive or i got to shoot this person. And if you're ever in that situation, our legal system, our justice system is failing you. Um, in this case, in the other case, you know, and I'm going to bring it up, I'm talking about the George Zimmerman trial. George Zimmerman, even before he even encountered Trayvon Martin, he had – Three cases of domestic violence against a fiancé, girlfriends. He attacked a police officer. I mean, if people took those cases seriously, if they took it seriously, he, he, he has been alleged to have sexually assaulted his cousin for 10, of her, 10 years of her life until she was 16. And that was never considered. If the justice system took when people get up and say, I'm being abused. If a woman comes in and, and reports to police and says, I'm being abused, this man has hurt me, or my spouse, my significant other is beating me or attacking me, I need a restrainer, I need to keep this person away from me. If they took that seriously and took decisive action against abusers, get, who wouldn't be in jail now? Or, or maybe Trayvon Martin would be alive right now if they took his uh, allegations of sexual abuse or physical or domestic abuse seriously. This is what it is. I I, I mean, that irritates me over a lot of the other things. It's our legal system. That's supposed to be the – that's our line of defense, and it's not working. I I will say this. I will say this. In the case of of Zimmerman – you know, I, I I can't speak on the on the cousin that he abused, but I believe that the that his wife or girlfriend um, in that particular case of domestic violence had had actually refused to press charges, which yeah, happens I, which happens quite a lot. Um, it does. It does know, happen. I mean, yeah, and 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 I think I think we also have to recognize that. Okay, so here's the thing, and I, I want to talk about this because. I I feel like there's a misconception, not by anyone on the line in particular, um, Mm -hmm. but I feel like there's a misconception that leads to a lot of victim blaming, and that is the the misconception that that there is always this violence going on in these situations um, of of domestic violence, and and that's just not true. Um, There tends to be periods of violence um, that are separated by honeymoon periods often. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and you know that you know most of these women would not be involved with men who beat them constantly. They're they're with these men because these men are charming. Because these men, you know, they're otherwise seem loving. You know, they provide them with with what they feel they need. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. 
but um you know, but it's 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 that cycle and that that longing for those honeymoon honeymoon moments, you know, mm-hmm. or those moments of you know normalcy, or or just the fact that they plain love them. Like you have to understand that while you know while you and I might be horrified by a woman who decides that she wants to stay, you know, she may have genuine feelings. You know what I mean? And we. You know, and I feel like, you know, sometimes we come up with these slogans and we think we're being helpful, but I think sometimes we have to be mindful of our slogans. You know, the the slogans like, you know, love doesn't hurt and all of that kind of stuff, you know, those seem like they're powerful slogans to us, but to a woman on the inside, that's not necessarily what's going to help her. You know, she made, what may change her situation is finding her husband a job, you know, or getting her husband um, you know, some, some counseling and therapy or some medication or um, help for PTSD, you know what I mean, or what have you, you know. So we have to oh. keep those things in mind. No, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I do and I have. Um, it's just my experience. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not I, – I, I'm not always speaking. I'm, I'm, when I speak on it, most of the time I'm speaking from uh, too close. I've been a little too close to the blast myself. To uh, so I, I'm normally biased on the side of the of the victim. I don't doubt. I feel sorry, and I'll, I'll be honest. I honestly, whatever trauma uh, someone uh, who was an abuser, whatever tra- I feel sorry for whatever trauma in their life happen, but at the same time, and um, and I admit this is completely non-scientific or, or non-intellectual, once you become a threat to someone else's well-being, it limits, it, it, for me, it limits my ability to, to, um, to, simp- not to, to empathize or, or, or to show an emotion of uh, of caring to to say, well, let's help both of you. My mind is more like let's get them away from you and then get you some help. Well, that can be uh, that can definitely yeah. be the solution for some of these situations, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But I think I think that I think that we also have to evaluate the situations individually. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because not every situation not. is going to be the same. Um, no, but I think we also have to keep in mind what the what the victim in question wants too, because in her mind that could be the family arrangement that she wants. She just wants a better situation. She wants to figure out a a situa- a way for everyone to be heard and to deal with their emotions in an appropriate way, you know. And so it could be a a, a temporary separation or a permanent situation a separation. But I think that. I think that we have to keep in mind that it's that we have to deal with what the victim wants, and the, what the victim may want may be different than what we want for the victim. So. No, I agree. That's I my agree. Only point. And in in that in that respect as well, I I I do agree, and you know, but. I also have to ask, and 
and it's not so much directed towards you, but when the numbers are so high, and you mentioned it earlier in the conversation, mm-hmm. but when the, when the numbers are so high of, of these relationships ending violently with, with casualty, um, mm-hmm. are, and, you know, I'm not asking, you know, I'm not asking rhetorically. I really don't know. Are, are, is, is the best idea sometimes to, I don't want to take the rights away from the victim, from a victim, a person who's being victimized, but they, they do still have feelings of love, emotion, or, or a connection to their abusers. But at the same time, you know, this ends up with somebody in a body bag a lot. I've, I've, I've seen that up close too, too much for my own comfort. No, agree. I, I, I mean, what, what, I mean what, what, the question I'm asking is, can can we risk can we risk that saying hey, yeah well if the victim says well no I want as long as he agrees to go to his meetings I can we can stay together. Uh, as well, long as he, I think it really you know, is. A, I think it really is something that has to be evaluated on a case by case basis, and I think that I think that depending upon the point at which you intervene, you know, mm-hmm. will probably have a lot to do with what the outcome is. You know, mm-hmm. but um, but going back to what you were talking about with the law enforcement earlier, um, I just wanted to bring up one point because this is something that's happening in my home state of Maryland. Um, mm-hmm. They actually just passed a bill. I'm not sure if the government governor signed it yet, but it's a bill that just got passed that basically lowers the evidence require or the the sort of evidentiary requirements for mm-hmm. obtaining an order of protection. So, um, so now it's it's not as um, as stringent um, for a woman, for a mother to protect herself or her child or a woman to protect herself or a man to protect himself. But but yeah, but it's it's easier to get an order of protection now in the state of Maryland, which they hope will um, result in fewer casualties. What or what in 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 that uh, in that. Proposed bill. What what's the punitive measures that would be taken? Because um, uh, I'm like not actually it, sure that it was the that the punitive measures were actually being altered. I think it was mainly the ability to obtain one. So it's not as difficult. I'm not sure what the process uh, was before, but apparently it was um, a little maybe a little cumbersome, and maybe yeah. it took a little yeah. too long. Yeah, and no. What I meant was, did they did did they say in any way like uh, what happens if the person who the order of protection is taken out? If they violate that order of protection, what 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 becomes of them is what I was what I meant. Yeah, I, I don't think that 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 the bill altered that particular aspect. Um, I think mm-hmm. their thinking was is if we make it easier. Then maybe a woman, maybe maybe more people will get them. Will come forward. You know what I mean, uh, and 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 will um, you know, and and feel like they can complete the process, um, mm-hmm. and and perhaps by doing that, maybe we can, you know, start at least the process. You know, um, they do have a separate court for, um, for abuse cases, mm. um, in the state of Maryland, um, um, for women and children. But um, I don't. I, I'm not sure what what the other um, aspect is. 
you know, that changed. But I do know that they they changed, they made it easier. I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, no, no, and I, I'm glad for it. I hope it's a situation in which, you know, uh, uh, abuse victims feel safe coming forward or at least coming to, forward and trying to take action to protect themselves or, you know, uh, or at least make folks aware of what's going on. I, I hope the best of it. Um, here in Florida, everything's kind of topsy-turvy, you know, uh, up is down and dark is light. So, uh, you know. <laughs> I, I, yeah, we saw I mean, that already. You know, I, I, I see. So I, I'm always more optimistic about about legal matters in your you guys' states. Like when when Kim talks about Chicago, or you know, Alfred's talking about California, and you talk about Maryland. I feel way more optimistic about about the law that you just the proposal that you're talking about. Like if that came up here in in Florida, um, you know. Somebody's going to try to – the only thing that I'm certain in the state of Florida that it gets passed is bullets. Anything that has to do with a gun, it's going oh. through without a question. You know, you, you know anything yeah. that involves firearms is going to get passed. But no, um, I, there, there have been things like that proposed here, and, um, you know, I'm not optimistic, unfortunately, thanks to my home state, uh, my wife's friend, she was killed while under an order of protection, mm. you know, and uh, uh, that just goes to show how that. much, you know, that that, do, yeah. that goes to show how much they care, honestly. Um, right. I, I wish that, that, that I could put my faith in that. Unfortunately, yeah. as the law works here, it's so topsy-turvy. And then there's this culture. We go back to the culture of abuse, the culture of, and and there's so many things. It's like a, it, you have to come here to really understand it. It's like a gumbo of crazy, because it's this weird, it's this weird right wing conservatism, and then the black church, and then all these things mixing together, and they're the laws that 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 punish women for everything possible. And right. a lot of the laws that, that, that make it onto the dockets down here are punitive in nature to women. So they're making it really yeah. hard. I mean, it's really hard down here for a woman to come forward. If she's a woman in need, if she's a woman in any kind of need, um, right. the law is already working against her. And, and right. even more so, if you, it's bad enough if you're poor and white. If, you be, if you're a poor person of color, you're through dealing. So they're not being protected, just flat out. Right. They're not. The same, some, right. in, in, a, in a smarter state, I want to say, um, I, they would, somebody would, while this, they're still under this patriarchal system, while we're still under a male-dominated society, I think in more progressive areas, there's there's a little bit more protection. People will take claims of abuse a little more seriously. Here, well, well, know. here's another part of of this. Well, here's another part of the equation that we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, people of color have trust issues with law enforcement, and, and, and justifiably so. <laughs> you know, I mean, I have actually heard of stories, you know, where um, you know, people have called about domestic, you know, um, you know, domestic violence 
situations where um, the victim was, you know, taken away in handcuffs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. Or, exactly. Or, or where, or where, um, or where even, you know, police officers have taken uh, taken it upon themselves to try to transform that into some sort of drug raid. You know what I mean, yeah. or what have you. Certainly. And then there's just, and then there's, you know, there's, you know, the sexism aspects of it, and and what have you. So sometimes the police are not very, um, are not very sympathetic. You know what I mean? No. To female victims, particularly female victims of color. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so and and then and then there's the other element when it comes, I think, particularly to black women, that um, there we're sort of we're sort of taught, and this is not necessarily a, a verbal teaching, you know what I mm-hmm. mean, but it's, um, it's sort of a, 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 we're taught to be loyal to black men as, as though black men have somehow suffered worse than black women right. and that therefore we need to um, protect them at all yeah. costs. Um, and and this I think is is one of uh, one of the um, teachings that hurts us the most. It's Absolutely. not necessarily. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Kim. Oh no, no, I was just going to jump in and what you're talking about there, in which you know, um, you know, a lot of women of color, in particular black women, are taught to protect the black male. And you know, one of the excuses or one of the things that you hear is, "Here we go, putting another black man in jail." And you know, mm-hmm. the, um, one of the more recent incidents um, happened between a student in, in Atlanta. Um, it was Morehouse and Spellman, and you know, and again some. Athletes, and basically, um, this young woman reported, but everyone got angry at her because she reported the, you know, the the sexual abuse, violence, what have you, and they were angry with her and saying that she should not have said anything because now this person's future has been ruined, just like the incident in Ohio with the young woman that was um, inebriated and those you know, athletes, you know, took advantage of her and, and, and raped her. And and people right. were trying to cover it up and trying to blame the victim in that situation. This has been happening throughout our, you know, throughout my life and through, you know, throughout, you know, you know, generations. And it's just interesting, you know, how we look at that. But, again, it goes back to the victim blaming. And someone in the chat room made a very good they were talking about um, victimization, and especially when it comes to the black community all the way back to slavery and how men have been, you know, um, the symbol of pain and hurt while women have been, you know, pushed to the background and that, you know, women's pain has been ignored while, you know, black women have suffered quite a bit and how deep that pain is. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and part of that, and part of that has to goes to the patriarchy and the academy, you know, um, and 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 the number of slave narratives that are um, that are out there. A lot of most of them are, or at least most of the prominent ones are are written um, by men or by um, by abolitionists who are writing on behalf of former black male slaves, you know. But a lot of the the female narratives are, 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 you know, they're not quite as well known. Um, some of them aren't even in print now, you know. 
Um, you know, so it, people don't understand that, you know, lynching, you know, was not something that just happened to black men. It happened to black women and children as well. Um, exactly. You know, that, that rape was a, was a prime, it was the primary tool of violence against mm-hmm. black women. Um, and and we see that to even today. I mean, you know, if you look in the Congo, you know, or um, even in um, in uh, Syria, in some in some places in the Middle East, you know, there are some there are some people who are using rape particularly as a tool of war. You know, so. yeah, or as a corrective tool. Uh, you made a good point. Both 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 you and Ken just made some, a good point that I, I you know something just happened and and you guys are talking about it. How you know there's this there's this behavior of protecting, especially black men who may be abusive or may be violent in some way or another, as you know shaming the victim as somebody who's just trying to take a brother down. You know, it's bad enough, you know, to, that he's, the man is after him. Now she's trying, he or she trying to take this brother down. And it's so ridiculous, but it's, 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 it's an attitude that is embraced. Um, you know, like when Rick Ross put out the song of putting a date rate, drink, a date rate drug in a girl's drink and having sex with her and she don't even know it. And it's like, well, hey, man, you know that's rape, right? And it's like, no, you're trying to take the brother down. No, I'm trying to point out that he's going to rape somebody. That's not me trying to right. take, take down a or Or even more recently, I mean, uh, Columbus Short punched his wife in the face, and the, the defense right. of him was, he's on scandal. He can't go to jail. And that's right. the defense. That's the right. defense. Well, and I think, and, I think that, and and I think that you um, just brought up a point without without even realizing it just now. Um, one of the problems in in the black community, or well, really in our culture in general, yeah. um, this is a this is a problem that gets brought up for, as it's as though it only happens in the black community, and it doesn't only happen in the black community, but it has a it has a different uh, flavor. Once it hits the black community, but there's a there's a problem in in the West in general. You know this problem mm-hmm. of hypermasculinization, um, and um, you know this this love for the hypermasculine male, this rough and tumble, you know kind of guy, and that has um that has some really interesting roots. I'm actually reading a a book called uh, The History of White People, which is actually quite fascinating. But um, and um, I highly recommend it to you. But um, mm-hmm. but it has a has a uh, it, it when when it comes to the black community, you know, and and sort of hip hop in particular, you know, and it's in the way that it it embraces this hyper masculine aesthetic, you know, it's this this thing that says I'm not going to take shit off of anybody, and I got mm-hmm. 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. And uh, certainly not the bitch's mouth, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you know we have to um, be cognizant of of what sorts of um, behaviors um, we condone, you know, via the music and entertainment that we consume, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, we have to be cognizant of what we pass on to our children and what we kind of impart to them as being acceptable and unacceptable. 
you know? How do you yeah. tell your son that he should be, um, you know, that he needs to use his words and not hit women and and um, all of that if you're sitting up there listening to, you know, I put a molly in a drink, you know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, I smacked a hoe. You yeah, know. No, you know, right. as, no, I'm sorry, go ahead, I didn't cut you off. Oh, no, 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 I'm just saying that, you know, right, and, and I agree with that, and then also, you know, I want to make sure that people understand that it's not only, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, hip-hop or rap or men making, you know, um, these types of statements, you know, there are women out here that perpetuate the same type of mindset, if you will. One of my favorite singers, who shall remain nameless, but on one of her songs, she was talking about she needs a man that knows how to knock a sister down when she gets out of place. And I'm like, oh, man. And I'm like, I still love you, but, oh, my goodness. And so, you know, and, I mean, it's not just yeah. her. You know, there there have been several songs. And so that's why I'm saying, you know, to be conscientious of these types of, of this type of verbiage, if you will, and yeah. start working no. on the mindset and, and encouraging people to, to be able to understand and recognize the emotional, the verbal, the psychological abuse. That's, that's some of the main things, and I believe that's right. what's needed. That's why we talk about mental health care um, in, in, in these communities and why it's so right. desperately needed. Go ahead, Dana. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, um, building off of what you were just saying with, like, the women, that just goes to show you that women can be um, some of the biggest perpetuators of patriarchy. You know that it's Absolutely. not just men, and um, and and to go and to go a little, one more step further than that, um, I think you guys are all familiar with the Moynihan report, and I think that in some ways Black women are still paying for that. You know, yeah. this notion that our community is is matriarchal, and that Black women are responsible for Black dysfunction, and I think that that has been internalized by not only the men in our community, but the women as well, and our in society in general. And I think that that has a lot to do with the um, racialized, you know, uh, you know, sexism that we see against Black women. You know, it's 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 like it's like every every hit that we see on a Black woman. You know, every time we see violence done to her, it's almost like they're correcting that. You know what I mean? Or they're getting revenge on the Black woman for all the damage she's done. And, I, I, and unfortunately, I got to say this, I got to say this, guys, as unpopular mm-hmm. as this is going to be, I see a lot of that going on in, in the black atheist community. Hey, um, I just typed that in the chat via, room. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Via, via its language uh, of, uh, around the black church and black women's attendance in church, um, I see a lot of I see a lot of uh, anger and resentment of black women and, and, and sometimes even black women's achievement. You know, some, some some men feel emasculated by black women who um outpacing them in education and other fields and some of them um, feel like there is some collusion on the part of black mm-hmm. women with um white supremacist um you know, with the white supremacist system. Um, and, and, yeah. and discrimination against black men. And I, I think that that's where a lot of this um, entertainment value in the violence against black women comes from. Oh, certainly. And, and, but and, you know and what? I'm going to jump in here. 
quick. I'm sorry. I just got to jump in because I, I need to tether, you know, what, what Raina just said. Because as soon as she said that I had just finished typing that in the in the chat room, I said even in the atheist community. And, and, and it's just interesting because when we talk about this, it's, there's so many different layers that needs to be peeled from this particular onion. And, you know, it affects different people. But someone in the chat room, they were saying about basically how religion sends that message and sends the message that the man is, you know, in charge and the man should be dominant, you know, over the women and head of the household. So, you know, yeah, this goes back to, you know, our mantra here at Black Free Thinkers. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. So if you are out of the church, okay, and, and you're now a free thinker, an atheist, humanist, whatever you may call yourself, when do you start working on you, yourself, your personal accountability and responsibility to shed a lot of that religious, you know, that religiosity, that religious mindset, that group thing. And I don't see a lot of people stretching themselves. I don't see a lot of people challenging themselves. So, you know, and, you know, you see men in this community, in the atheist community, you know, agreeing to, you know, some of these things as well. You know, um, you know, you have a lot of black male atheists that do not agree with feminism. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't necessarily, you know, agree with feminism, but feminism helps helps men, too. It helps take them out of that box. But, um, you know, there's so much more I can put into this. But go ahead, um, Paul. Sorry. No, no, it's fine. Yeah, sorry, it's fine. guys, for taking over your show. It's just that there's a lot of no, things no. that could be said hey, on this topic. I specifically, so. I specifically asked um, Kim that to make sure that we had the voice of the ladies on the line as well because I didn't want to even – accidentally fall into the realm of mansplaining any of these issues or even be accused of it. I wanted to make sure that the ladies were heard equally, even though I wanted to speak and and, and, and hopefully show that there are some progressive males out there that, that, that are recognizing that there's an issue to be discussed. I didn't want to be... It didn't want it to be, you know, you know, testosterone controlled. You know, I wanted to make sure that 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 the ladies were heard as well. I wanted to touch on a point um, Raina made about um, um, how there seems to be this community communal idea that black women need to be corrected, and I think it leads into into what leads to to, to abuse and 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 domestically. Um, and you know it doesn't stop at the church. It doesn't stop at at at, at 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 you know the the black atheist movement, ladies and gentlemen. It goes all the way up to the rhetoric of our president in the last couple of speeches that he's had. Now I know this is going to be unpopular. I I I have no problem with it, but I think it needs to be pointed out. Whenever President Obama has had to address people of color, specifically black people, and address the issue of black unemployment, uh, unemployment among African Americans being lower, than, being higher than that of any other racial or ethnic group in the United States, or there being economic disparity or educational disparity, he keeps going back to this chestnut about single parent homes, primarily mm-hmm. where single parent homes uh, that are run by a woman, and he brings up his experience about being, and I was angry at if the only thing that can save a home 
is the presence of a man. Right, and that, and I'm glad that you brought that up too, because there's been some misguided uh, attempts at redressing some of the issues in the black community with this respectability politics bullshit. And one of yeah. the and one of the um, campaigns that has come about that I despise is the yeah. um, marry, sort of your marry your baby daddy's day, daddy yeah. day or whatever that's called, or um, no wedding, no womb. Um, yeah. You know, don't don't get me wrong. Um, you know, obviously there are economic reasons for why um, two-parent homes are, uh, you know, generally are, are better for children to come up in. But primarily yeah. they're economic and, um, and 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 somewhat you know social socio-emotional you know sort of reasons too. But um, I think that we I think that we have a tendency to forget that particularly in communities where um, we don't have access to um, affordable health care, to, um, to living wage jobs, to decent education and what have you, that mm-hmm. these arrangements are, are more problematic um, yeah. and they are um, able to help solve Exactly. Uh, so these so-called pathologies, and so yeah, the, um, if we want to see any any um, you know improvement, we need to work on um, the material needs of life and making mm-hmm. sure that people can provide those and have those have access to those things before we try to tell them, oh, just get married. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. No, I- it, it, and, and, and when you say, because it's like this, when you have the most powerful man in the world or in the country saying things like, you know, well, you know, everything will be better as soon as we get some dads in the house, then what do you think it's doing? It, it, what do you think it's doing to the to the image of women? Mark, women know, is a problem. Yeah, it's bad enough that most single mothers, however the father, there's almost never, the, the weight of responsibility for their plight is almost never put on the fathers, you know, who brought to, you know, because women can't reproduce asexually, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but the, the fathers of these children never receive that kind of, um, um, a, 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 a kind of vilification. Yeah, you know, you just, you know, you're gone and you're gone. Huh? You know, so that that that's I mean, but what do you think talking like that's going to do? Exactly. Um, exactly. What is it going to do? What is it going to reinforce? And that's why I say, you know, you know, and you know, what I find, you know, amazing is, you know, we we have to challenge ourselves. We need to expand and challenge and stretch. Are thinking we need to go back and reevaluate, you know, a lot of the things that we've been taught. And, you know, one of the things that I always express, you know, about me personally, because I can only speak for myself, but I'm still in the process of deprogramming. And because of our culture, the Western culture, a lot of this stuff is embedded, you know, a lot of subliminal messages, a lot of, you know, outright messages, overt messages. And, you know, it, it takes, you know, a conscientious effort to get mm-hmm. in and to understand because, I, you know, a lot of what we talk about now 
you know, I knew some things about it several years ago, but I was not as educated and conscious on it, you know, several years ago. And it's a never-ending process. You know, I try to learn something every day. And I learned a lot from the people around me, you know, more so the people that listen to the show, people that inbox me links or, you know, will chat with me on status updates or what have you. But I'm constantly learning. And that's why we take that information, we process it, we research it, you know, we read about it. You know, we do. A, there's a lot that happens on the back end, and we bring it to you. We bring it to the audience, but we just want you to go out and, and learn these things and learn these triggers and learn these symptoms and, and understand what's happening with you and, and be able to move forward with your life because, you know, you may have some information that may save someone else's life. You may have some information that, you know, may uplift and enlighten someone because, you know, um, one particular situation I was talking to someone about the other day, they didn't realize that the way that they were being treated was abusive. They didn't realize that it was emotional abuse. And so that's why it's important to have these shows and to break it down and to explain these things and then also to give real-life examples of what's happening. So, you know, it's, it makes sense to people. So, you know, putting all of this in context and going out and reaching out and stretching ourselves, you know, not only by, you know, um, expressing this information and sharing it with others, but, you know, stretching ourselves by learning more and more. I mean, I find it satisfying when I, you know, learn something new or when I find out that some of my thinking has been wrong all of these and I get to go back and understand why it was wrong and to improve. It's okay to be wrong. Just learn. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. No, you, it, it, you're very right. Um, you know, I'm coming directly from, let me see, what, 20, 22 maybe some odd years of growing up in a church. Um, and, you know, from the day I was born, you know, it was wives submit yourself unto your husband and women have to wear a veil and spare the rod and spoil the child. I mean, that was what I was raised on. That was, that was, it wasn't until I stepped outside of that and somebody said, hey, you're not supposed to do that to your wife, your kid, or any other person. It was then I had to look back and say, well, gee, what, what was I thinking? You know, what was it? I mean, because that's literally what you're raised to believe. Like in a marriage, in my marriage, if I had remained in, you know, religion, and not, you know, it's not, I'm not trying to condemn anybody that's still in it. That's them. I'm not, that's an argument for another time. But quite frankly, if you, if you went to, if you looked at any country or any, any area where these rules are actually applied, it's the scariest thing you've ever seen in your life. Wives that are submissive completely to husbands or you can just whip out a switch and start beating kids. I mean, that was what you were taught. And until you see it take place, it's like, well, I don't want to treat my daughters and my son like that. I don't think my wife should be my subordinate. She's smarter than me, first of all. I mean, just being honest. I'm not, you know, no low self-esteem. My wife literally is a smarter person than I am. I'm okay with that. Um, it, but I had to step outside and say, wait a minute. When I actually seen this in action, I'm like, this is wrong. But but so much of our culture is built around this this idea. 
this idea, and it's it's perpetuated so much, you know. Uh, so I, I, for me, I'm just fortunate I had the opportunity to see different and to learn, hey, you're not supposed to treat, you know, anyone like that, just basic human decency. You're not supposed to do that. So no, I consider myself fortunate that, you know, I have an opportunity to listen to, um, you know, to have these conversations and then to listen to get new information. Every time I talk to you guys, I learn something new. So that's a great opportunity for me personally. Excellent. Well, we have a call online. This is from area code 615. I think this is Judy. Judy, 615? Yes, yes. Yep, hey, that's Judy. me. Hey, um, I I wanted to put forth one thing that came through my mind. One reason why a lot of women stay is lack of resources on what to do after because so many abusers have control of finances, keep them away from friends because there's that controlling aspect. So... Even if a woman feels that they need to get out or the man needs to get out, they've been so alienated by all their friends and family since they've been kept under thumb and they often don't have the money or a place to go. And shelters are often very crowded. So many women just put up with it. For the longest time, I really couldn't get away because I had no place to go. And it wasn't until things got really bad that I had actual proof of the abuse recorded so they would take me seriously, and that's when I got put up into a shelter. But a lot of women don't have that option because even if they do have proof and they're taken seriously, there's no place for them to go. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's something that we need to make readily available, but to, to fix problems like that, you have to actually um, actually acknowledge the problem to begin with, and, and that's where it's going to take, you know, a step-by-step process of, at the lowest level of people acknowledging, well, uh, this, ha- this does happen, X does happen, we see it happen, we know it happens, we study it happening, okay, now we need to put faces on that. When I see anything about sexual abuse, sexual trauma, I don't see women of color. I don't know about anybody else, but I, you know, 26 or 27 years, I have yet to see any kind of uh, advertisement or any type of PSA that displays any women of color. But, mm-hmm. you know, I can, I can say that, well, that image doesn't jive too well with people's, uh, you know, uh, suppositions of, well, black women aren't victims. Well, they can put up with it. You know, they're... You know, they they match this stereotype that I have built in my mind from, you know, the TV and, you know, um, secluded down the street. You know, that that's my image of every black woman. So um, I'm not going to be as receptive to that because it does not match my view of reality. And challenging people's view of reality is where we kind of need to be at uh, as far as tackling this problem, in my opinion. Exactly, and and that's where some of the danger comes in, especially with some of these images that, you know, are put forth and embraced by some people. You know, there are some issues with that strong black woman image, 
And, you know, what I mean by that is, you know, um, again, it kind of plays into a little bit of what Alfred was just saying about, oh, I'm a strong black woman. I can handle this. I can do this. I can do it all on my own. And and we've been taught in many cases, you better not cry. You better, you know, get get out here and, you know, figure a way out, you know, let go and let God or, you know, just a number of different things. And, you know, in you know, it's great to be independent. I believe that everybody should strive for, you know, some semblance of independence. But, you know, there are some people that have taken that strong black woman image just a tad bit too far in certain regards. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying, putting it in context. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, I, you know, I don't have anything to, to add. I thought, I'm sorry. Go ahead, guys. I'm sorry. No, it, it, I. you know what? I, I don't like the fact that, it, it, you know what, there's nothing inherently wrong with that title. You know, and it started out innocently enough. I mean, it's just a description of someone who says, listen, I, I, I'm going to, uh, there's nothing wrong with calling somebody a strong black woman, but here's the thing. It's been turned into parody for someone else, for, I, I, for, for, for a culture that's not even ours, actually. I'm, I mean, I'm looking at it now, and it's it's turned into a joke for people. And it's not, and there's nothing inherently wrong with any woman, any woman, black woman, saying that. If, if she's overcome certain things and she's managed to to carve out a semblance of a good life for herself, there's nothing wrong with proclaiming your independence from, you know. But I, I, it's not it's not their fault. I don't think. Yeah, no, it's not their fault. It's, it's who's who's appropriated that. When you say strong black woman, you know the first thing that comes to my mind is Tyler Perry. Yeah. Not you know, an image of my mother, not an image of my grandmother, not an image of anybody who's actually suffered and triumphed and has, you know, has endeavored to do anything and strive to overcome obstacles in their life. It's freaking Tyler Perry. And if I think that, then what does everybody else think? So that's where we need to, uh, you know, one thing, with completely just, uh, not disregard, but, you know, him in every possible manner, in my opinion, but, you know, it, it is, he is taking that title, and that's just another uh, talking point that somebody else can use, another joke, another parody that somebody else can use for their uh, amusement, for their entertainment. So, yeah. Yeah. And yes, the mockery of, and even in that respect, you can't even be strong. It's a, it's a joke, you know. Yeah, and and the problem too is it's also uh, there's this weird assumption that that uh, if a woman, if a black woman stands up and proclaims that, hey, I am that, I am independent, I am strong, and I've I've managed to do this for myself. There's this weird assumption that she has done it at the expense of a man's masculinity. Like she has to, she has to step on a whole bunch of man balls in order for her to be her own to, to self-actualize. And 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 again, that's something that we as men have to let go. Not you know, not that not say that that's something I personally believe, but I think as a whole, men gotta let go of that. If you see a, a, a young man, don't she didn't she's not some kind of crazy, shrewd, aggressive, crazy person that got her independence or got her strength from putting you down. Uh, it has nothing to do with you. Just let her, let that be, let that stand. See, whatever she has, she got that maybe through her own 
through her own steam and just go ahead and appreciate that. That's cool. I mean, you should respect somebody like that if if you have a functioning brain, I would suppose. But there's this this pervasive way of thinking that if there's any any black woman that you know, they even do it to Michelle Obama. Like, exactly. Yeah, what she must be angry. <laughs> she must have done it by making you know Barry some kind of cuckold or something or of some sort. They, I mean, you even look at the way they take her pictures. She could be, if they, they put it up in the weirdest context I've ever seen. I've never seen it for any other first lady. But when they show Michelle Obama, they always try to catch her in some kind of frown to show that she's just, you know, and then they, they'll, they'll, they'll put that same thing under her name, like she's strong and independent, and Barry better watch his back. Why? If he's not doing anything to harm her in any way, why should he watch his back? Because black women are all, all independent black women are also man killers? That doesn't make sense. But that seems and, to be the popular why, notion. And that's why I say it's, it's important that we understand, you know, um, you know, the connotation and the context in which people use, you know, those particular phrases, just like, you know, you just talked about the angry black woman. You know, a lot of people use these phrases, if you will, to silence us. And it's it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. And, you know, what has been happening to Michelle Obama in the media since, you know, they were running is, is, is abominable. And, you know, it needs to be addressed, and it has been addressed, but, again, you know, it, it's deeper than the fact that they don't like her. And, again, you know, it's about white supremacy. It's about, um, you know, white privilege. And it's, it's just it's so much deeper, and we really don't have the time to really go into it as in-depth as we possibly could, you know, in that particular situation, you know. So just, you know, kind of bringing it back to center, um, regarding, you know, what's happening with domestic violence and the black community. And it's not just the black community. You know, it happens in all communities, but, you know, communities of color. Um, going back to something that Alfred had mentioned that, you know, um, the majority of the time when you see these billboards and these advertisements, you see white people. You don't see very many people of color, and that's why this conversation needs to come out, and that's when I tethered it to that strong black woman, you know, ideal that, you know, some people have taken that and they've absolutely gone bonkers and run off with that and gave it a totally different meaning. But that's why it's important to have these conversations and it's important to have voices out there like, you know, Dr. Hutchison and Raina there, you know, to expound on these particular issues. It's important to have male voices out there, you know, and just like, you know, you and Carl. And that's why I think it's important that we have this conversation. And they had a conversation last night, um, Domestic Violence in the Black Community Part 1, and they talked a lot about, you know, what was happening and gave out some information. I posted some information on my wall about domestic violence information, um, not only that, but just any type of violence. I put up a link from the CDC 
and there are links on there for, you know, youth violence, family violence, you know, shelters, you know, and the CDC information, those are 800 numbers, toll-free numbers in which you can call and get some help. And, you know, what I want to appeal to people is if you are in dire straits, if you are in a situation such as that, there is no shame in reaching out and getting help. I know in Chicago we have a non-emergency emergency number, and it's 311. And I know that pretty much every city, every major city has them, and I'm sure some of the smaller cities. But, you know, you can call those particular numbers. You can call the toll-free numbers. Reach out, get help. You know, there are programs out there. Now, I'm not saying that it's easy to get into these programs, but you have to make the first step. And I think the first step is admitting that there is an issue there, that there is something wrong. So, Yeah, and there are programs out there that do things like, say, for example, you know, if you have an old cell phone that you don't use, you know, now nowadays with the technology, you don't have to be able to, um, you don't have to have an activated cell phone in order to call 911. So there, there are, you know, places that basically will take these old cell phones and give them to women, it, you know, in case of emergencies to have, you know. Um, yeah. there's, there's also, I mean, there's shelters. There's there's um, there's an organization I just found out that I want to try to work with. They um, they help you know women, um, you know get, you know with suits and you know helping them to you know figure out how to do job interviews and things like that. You know to provide resources of women so they can stand on their own. Um, so you know it's important to support these types of programs out here. Um, you know, and I'm sure there are similar programs for even trans women, you know, in um, LGBT communities. Um, exactly. But it's important to, um, you know, to, to to try to help where you can, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, certainly. Um, like that. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 you first, man. Uh, I was just saying, I didn't know that you had the uh, programs like that, and that's, that's very, that is a very, Good program to have, especially since you don't see a lot of stuff on TV and no commercials or anything like that, uh, speaking about uh, sexual assault, rape, domestic violence, that sort of thing, and something that people can readily feel like that there is support for in the public media, in the public eye, because people are more likely going to use uh, the front page of Yahoo, uh, you know, something like that, or, you know, like I said, commercials with PSAs to feel as though they have some sort of solidarity. They're not not going to feel, you know, that form of solidarity. So uh, really getting the word out is is going to help uh, feel that way. And and also having its own support group as far as family, whether it be nuclear or extended, that does not have this illusion Whereas, well, you know, if this this was happening to me, then I would just leave. I would just buy a plane ticket and I would go. And you know, mm-hmm. even my own mother had that mentality. So I had I had a post earlier about Angie and uh, you know our brief interaction. And you know, even my own mother was like, well, if I was going through that, I would just get up and leave. And somebody, actually one of our listeners right now, had to correct her because it's not that simple. My mother's never going through anything like that. I've been with her. A little all my life. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and you never had to go through anything like that. So, you know, it's, it's ignorance on a lot of part, a lot of people, 
and then perpetuate this ideology that, well, or, or ideology is a fantasy. That, well, if someone is just beating you across the face and it's happening every night and they're just berating you at every corner and you just get fed up and you just leave. Somebody mentioned earlier about the honeymoon period. They go through mm-hmm. a cycle and it's more psychological than physical because physical abuse, you can get, you can, you can get over that. But mental abuse yeah, is more heal. Exactly. Yeah. They, they do Bruce heal. heal. Not, not that well. Well, it's also it's also this thing where, in addition to that level of ignorance, it's it's also an issue of, okay, they leave, where would they go? That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we we like to criticize those countries in, in, in the Middle East and stuff like that with their treatment of women and how entire communities take part in subjugating women and and abusing them in in myriad ways, but. You can't get uh, – I live in Miami, and there was a woman who was stabbed to death in her own neighborhood in front of her neighbors, and they felt right. it wasn't their concern. So if you – first of all, if you, have a, a, if you have a cultural mindset in regards to women, like she got punched in the face by her man because she had too much lick, or she got beat up because she was fast in the ass, or some stupid notion like that, Okay, let's just say that woman works up the gumption to leave. Where would they go? How many social programs? We have politicians that are trying every other day to limit any kind of help, especially if it goes to a woman who may be single who, or eventually will be one if she leaves her abuser. So where would this woman right. go if she, if she got the money oh, to and say, here's, I'm and out of here? Here's another factor I just thought of just because you were talking about that. Thank you. For, for for making that point, but um, and and this is this is something else. Um, and Dr. Hutchinson just wrote a piece on this. Um, you know, thank God for abortion. What's at stake for Black women, um, mm-hmm. particularly in these situations where a lot of women are killed by their by their partners. It generally has a lot to do with pregnancy and or children. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes it's sometimes it's about the responsibility. I'm not saying it has anything to do with Angie, so don't anyone, you know, I don't know Angie, and I don't know her situation. But I, I mean, uh, in more than in more than a few cases, it's actually, you know, been found out that once the body is found, that the woman was pregnant, you know, mm-hmm. and so, um, you know, having access to birth control, you know, could mean the difference. For uh, for the economics of a family or the economics of a woman, but it could also mean the difference between her life and her death. That's right. You know? Certainly. That's right. Exactly, and you know it can be the difference between you know her life and her death. Um, you know, in some cases, you know, uh, again, you know, them attacking women's rights across the board. You know. You know that needs to be addressed because in certain situations, um, you know, I can give a personal account um, of someone in my family that went through you know a horrendous domestic violence situation, in which um, this individual stayed with her husband because of the fact that they had you know multiple children, and he was the provider. 
you know, but unbeknownst to us. You know, we suspected it, but, you know, it was never verified that there was a lot of physical abuse. Now, we heard the verbal abuse, and, you know, at first we didn't know how to react, and we would talk to her, and she would not, you know, necessarily confirm anything. It was a lot of denial. But it came down to one night in which, you know, um, when she finally got fed up and left him, a couple of days later, he found her, you know, at a sibling's house, one of her siblings' houses, and he basically kidnapped her, kidnapped her, um, raped her, and there is such a thing as spousal rape, um, and, you know, he was ready to kill her, but he was not able to, and in that particular situation, you know, charges were pressed. And this individual wanted to drop the charges, but the DA would not allow it. And with some of the laws that are on the books now, it doesn't matter if the victim wants to drop the charges. Usually it turns into a state case. And this individual went to jail for, you know, over a decade. And what happened was his family was blaming, you know, her, saying, you know, how are you putting the, the, the father of your children in jail, your husband, and you know, it's just really dramatic, and, you know, just to make a long story short, many, many years later, actually a couple of decades later, they're now able to talk and be friends because they still have these children together, and they've moved on with their lives. But, you know, again, the resources are out there. Do not be afraid to speak up, men or women, because there are a lot of men that are victims, you know, of domestic violence. And, again, children, and that's why I said I wanted to expand the conversation because, you know, you have some parents, and I consider, you know, whipping your children domestic violence. That's me. Oh, sure, and, sure. you know, exactly. And I always give a caveat to people that I know. If you beat that child in front of me, I will call the police on you. I'm always taking that stance friends, family, anyone. So, you know, um, it's just interesting, but I'm glad the conversation has been started and we put a lot of resources out there, and that's one of the reasons why you have so many people out here fighting for so many of these different causes because, you know, not everybody can do everything, but if we got enough people working on different causes, we can get a lot more done. And this is why I always appeal to, you know, the atheist community in particular, you know, the black atheist community, what are we doing? Because, you know, there are a lot of churches and other nonprofit organizations out there that are helping women and children because with this particular individual, they ended up taking their three children and moving into a domestic violence shelter. And this is why I'm looking at the atheist community in regards to social justice and saying, what are we doing? What are we going to do? How are we servicing, you know, the communities? Because life, the world is bigger than us and, and are being angry because, you know, we ran out of eggs and toilet paper this morning. Life is much bigger than that. Okay. No, certainly. Right. Life I, is much bigger than, you know, you're mad at Big Mama because she took you to church every Sunday and you wanted to yeah. stay home and watch the damn game. Yeah. Let it go. I, I, For me, honestly, in regards to this issue, um, uh, I want to I know when it's going to start, you know, when it's going to start showing up on, on the ticket or or showing up on the ticket of these folks that are running for office. Um, right now, of course, we're going into an election season. 
And we're looking at an election cycle that might just lead to the inauguration of the first female president in the United States. So I want to know, when are these things going to get put on the front burner? When is this issue going to get moved to the front burner? Um, honestly, and it, it's, it's true what Kim's saying, this is a broader issue. It truly is a broader issue, but I, I, I truly believe that women are the face of this issue. And, and you know, I want to know. Who's who's taking up this mantle? I mean, we're talking about it. I'm sure we're going to do our part as we can, you know, with with with, with whatever we can. But who's right. taking this and making this, putting it out there, saying, "Look, something must be done." Because it's, it's like Alfred pointed out, we're at epidemic levels in our communities. I can't speak on um, Caucasian communities or anything else. I, I can't, but in our communities, it's, it's, it's getting pretty scary. It's every other news story now is, is some young young black lady showing up dead, and then you finding out later it's because of you know a, a significant other. Or if we want to, uh, if we do take it to the issue of of, of, of transgender and, and LGBT uh, uh, kids or teens, they're they're showing up. There's most of the runaways are from abusive homes where they came out or they said, hey, you know, this is who I am, and they're becoming victims. So who's the person running for office that's supposedly representing us that we're supporting? They want our vote. Who's taking this and making it their issue? And I think as much as we're fighting on our own, trying to, trying to, to, to get people to know about this or to make this an issue, Who's that person that's going to say, well, I'm representing you guys, so I'm going to make this my issue as well? And to me, I think that's going to influence my vote come, you know, come this election season, honestly. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, we definitely need to, um, to, to definitely uh, question these candidates um, regarding what their uh, views are on um, – on women's health, reproductive rights, on, you know, economic issues, on mental health services and things like that. Um, and uh, we definitely need to get out here and support some of these organizations that are doing good work. Um, you know, one of them is, you know, black um, and missing but not forgotten. Um, That's right. They do, they do good work, you know, making sure that those of us who are are taken or murdered or what have you are not forgotten um, mm-hmm. in, you know, in a media that is, um, you know, very uh, focused on, on, on whiteness as the standard um, and forgets often about black victims. So we have to deal with that. Um, you know, supporting organizations like Sister Song, um, you know, and other reproductive health organizations out there. Um, and educating ourselves and, and um, again, modeling behavior and, you know, talking about these issues within our families. Um, mm-hmm. You know, don't be afraid to talk about this with your, with your children. I mean, if you have teenage, teenagers who are dating, mm. you've not talked to them about the possibility about what to do if um, someone right. is violent with them, you, you're too late. Yeah. More oh, than no, likely, you're too late because studies show studies show that young girls think that violence, um, you know, gender, you know, gender-based violence, is, is normal. 
Exactly. Absolutely. Trust me, I just had a daughter that turned 13, so I've had this talk. It's it's the most uncomfortable talk I can have, but it's, you know, and not for the reasons you think. I was just really awkward as a teenager. But anyway, it, <laughs> I, it, it, it was, it, it's, you know, it was kind of forced on me. Um, there was a song, it's coming on the radio. They blanked it out. They blanked out the parts, but I, I working out at the gym, I was lifting weights, and I actually heard the song again. And I had to stop and go home and talk to my, I said, hey, man, you know, talk to me about what you think goes into dating. The song, this is the song. It, they, blur, they blur out the, the lyrics on the air and everything, but in the uncut version, the song's lyrics are literally, this is the chorus, these hoes be acting up and these niggas be letting them. And wow. you know what? I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm never going to say that there was a golden age of rap where misogyny didn't rule the day. I admit that. But this had to be the most brazen, you know, uh, the most brazen co-signing of abuse I had ever heard. So it kind of forced my hand. Like, all right, now I really got to sit down and have a conversation because if this is playing on my local radio station, if it's playing on the air, blurted out or not, you know, I, I got to talk to my daughter. You know, she's she's going into high school this year, so I have to have this conversation. I we I've already started, but trust me, it's really awkward. Um, yeah. You know. And, no, I mean, it's, and, and you have to teach your daughters how to assert themselves. You know, oftentimes yeah, we literally. teach teach girls to, you know, to demure. You know, and um, and and defer to men. You yeah. know, um, and, and 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 to authority, and so we have to teach them how to assert themselves, and you know, say no, I will not accept this behavior. This is unacceptable. Exactly. Absolutely, know? absolutely, and and it's 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 a hard, it's a conversation that has to be had, um, and right. not only that, not only for her, I want her, I want to teach it to my son. He's young. Exactly. Oh, yeah, He's of course. Poor. I mean, we're always say, teach your daughters this. Hey, how about we teach our sons? Yeah, teach your sons not to rage me. and to beat women. Yeah. That, that's yeah. the main yeah. thing. Exactly. For yeah. sure. Right. But I, mean, I think certainly empowering women to feel like they, like they can speak out and they can speak up, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, and that they have a voice is certainly a major part of it, too, because I, I think part of it is, is that we, we tell women, oh, you're not, you shouldn't be bossy, that's too manly. You know what I mean? And um, I, I, I hate that be bossy campaign, you know, or ban bossy campaign. Right. I, I'm not for it. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but I think, I think that we do need to um, better teach young girls to assert themselves, and, and, and that will improve things for women on multiple fronts. I mean, you know, part of this lack of confidence and lack of ability to assert oneself is part of the reason why there's a gap in, in the STEM fields mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. You know, women and men. You know, it, it impacts their ability to do math. You know, this has been shown. This is, you know, there's, there's work on this. So, you know, I think um, a major part of it is making sure that women feel comfortable, you know, being themselves right. and coming forward and speaking up and being their own advocates. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And, and, and just, you know, 
taking the information that you just said, Raina and Carl, and I just want to build up on that, and I want to make sure people understand when we're talking about domestic violence, we're not all so, I mean, we're not negating other issues, but we're talking about physical violence, we're talking about verbal abuse, we're talking about emotional abuse, we're talking about psychological abuse, we're talking about all of that, you know, all of those particular issues, plus more, because I also want to let you guys know, you know, and this is to the listening audience, especially some people that do not know, this includes bullying, you know, um, and bullying is not, you know, necessarily relegated to, you know, kids in school. You know, you have workplace bullying, you have, you know, bullying within friendships, acquaintanceships, associations. If you're uncomfortable, you should be comfortable enough to be able to express that. But if you have someone that's out there doing any of these things, there's help for all of that. There are hotlines even for bullying, for teenagers, for adults, you know, workplace violence. I mean, so, you know, even though that wasn't one of the topics, it just kind of triggered that listening to when Raina was talking about STEM because in most um, um, careers, STEM-related careers, is male-dominated, is white male-dominated. And I work in that field, and I've seen a lot of this happening and been a victim to some of this over the years. You know, it, it, it skipped my mind, and I, I wanted to say it, I, what little time we have, and it, I do believe it's a contributor. It's both a source of abuse and a com- contributor to future abuse, and it comes to the way we deal with our young boys. It, there's a whole big thing about, you know, we tell our young boys, be a man, and mm-hmm. that's what a man does, and man mm-hmm. is, and man up, and man, it, 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 and the whole thing is, no one's ever actually defined what manhood is. You know, right. manhood is subjective. It's subjective. What what I believe manhood is may not be what is what what another person might see it as. And but guess what that turns into? Men don't cry and you handle everything with your fists. There's never a problem right. that you can't solve by punching. And then guess right. what? And even and even you if know? you don't impart that to your children, you know what I mm-hmm. mean, yourself. They're getting yeah. it from somewhere. They're getting it from Ninja Turtles. They're getting yeah. it from G.I. Joe. They're getting it from mm-hmm. He-Man. They're getting it from W. And they're definitely getting it from WWE. Now, I'm sorry. I know that there are some people out there that love them some wrestling, okay? Wrestling. But the WWE, I mean, you know, you want to talk about rap music, being particularly violent or misogynistic, you need to turn to the WWE. There was a time in this country where wrestling actually qualified as a family, as a family watching, you know, sort of entertainment. These days, I don't understand how anyone allows particularly young children to watch wrestling. And, and you bring up a really passion. good point. You, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, uh, I don't know if you actually I, I ever really follow wrestling, but you they regularly have matches and trade women. I know yeah. when I watched it, you know, about yeah. maybe five or six years ago, they regularly traded women. Like, women were property. Uh, I think right. Heisenreich was one of the guys that did it. But, yeah, like you have a, and you have a match, and then this, this manager, which just happened to be a woman, uh, would be your, your new manager now. You get her. That was your prize for that match. 
So, right. I mean, other than the violent aspect and reinforcing the idea of, okay, well, you, Violent Knight, have DDT'd uh, so-and-so asshole, you know, so many times, and now you've uh, knocked him unconscious. Now you've won uh, your time out of the ring with the woman. Congratulations. So what, what right. Of, and then, and then know, a lot of times they reenact the, the stuff that they, they show. They show, like, women um, cheating on their husbands, being unreliable, unfaithful, you know, untrustworthy. Mm-hmm. And, and the way that they're corrected oftentimes is they're corrected in the ring. And I've seen it. I mean, I, I you know, I, I've seen footage where one time a man was correcting his wife in the ring, you know. Yeah. Now, of course, this is all being acted out. You know, they're pantomiming, you know. Right. They're not really wrestling. But the point of the matter right. is, is that, they, that, that children, particularly at a very young age, they don't know the difference. No, between the pantomime and and the actual violence, and then they're seeing it on TV. So all of this is real to them. This is how you exactly. handle the situation. You know? and if, I may, if I may, oh, I'm just going to make a comment because I just, you know, I would be remiss if I don't, you know, mention, you know, a religious um, um, aspect of this. And, you know, when you were just saying about correcting, you know, the rod of correction. And what I mean by that is, you know, I've gone to churches and I've seen ministers and pastors being verbally abusive over the pulpit, abusing their authority and saying that it was, you know, that God ordained them with that authority to correct people and put them in place. I've seen preachers, pastors, you know, who may be angry at a member and the whole sermon is is about that person, and of course, the majority of the church knows who he's talking about, and I've seen them use it as, you know, a tool of abuse, and I've seen this perpetuated. I've seen cases in which, you know, they had people be willing workers in a church, which means you volunteer for certain committees, and you work for free, and I've seen them abuse those people, but people call it paying their dues, if you will. Mm. So, I mean, you know, yeah. so I wanted to make sure that I threw that in there as well. It's so much more more within that particular realm, but I just wanted to give some, you know, a couple of quick um, examples of what I've seen and experienced as a former Christian. So I had to throw that part in there because I just think it's important because this happens in a lot of churches as well, and more examples, but that's just a couple. I mean, I, I guess and there's a million was, examples more that we could give, but I just wanted to I wanted to make sure that I I threw out that bit about the about wrestling since we brought up hip hop before. So. I went to a church school. I mean, I went to a, a church school, so I was beaten, you know. And I'm saying for mm-hmm. the record, my father has my father has never beaten, you know. My, you know I, I experienced corporal punishment in my family, but my own father has never struck me, but I went to church school, and I would get beaten. And it was one of those things where people said, well, I got spanked, and look how I turned out. I turned out the exact opposite on purpose. Half of what this is, half of who you're speaking to now is in open rebellion to every every teacher that ever struck me. And I used to get they, they I had teachers that would do the little thing, they slap you in the hand with the ruler. I had teachers that would make you take your jacket off and you, they're hitting your bare back. So, uh, you know, and everybody, I would tell people that and they would look back at me and say, that's what's supposed to happen. I was beaten. So I know. And 
Um, there are people who, there's some folks that, you know, walk away because of understanding. For me, it's part of that, but also it's open rebellion to an institution that co-signed on somebody that wasn't my mother, wasn't my father, or even connected to me by any blood relation being able to strike me by some arbitrary rule. It's why I don't spank my kids. <laughs> it's why I don't react that way because I, it was so damaging to me and they had no real reason for it. It's just what you do. So, um, yeah, no, no, it, it's very real. Trust me. Yeah, so I think we've talked about a lot of the complicated you know, issues around, you know, domestic violence and, you know, and intimate partner violence and, and violence against women in particular. Um, I think this has been a really good show, guys. I'm so glad you invited me. Thank you. I am honored yes, thank that you came. <laughs> I'm honored to you. <laughs> well, we're down to the last few minutes of the show, actually the last three minutes, 45 seconds. Um, I wanted to remind everybody next Tuesday afternoon we will have Greta Christina on the show. So we will be talking about her new book, Coming Out as Atheist, and we're looking forward to that. I still haven't decided if I'm going to do a show Sunday or if we're going to repeat one of my personal favorite shows. I haven't decided which one yet. But either way, you know, we'll have something on the air Sunday. And um, basically, you know, I want you guys to enjoy your weekend. You know, I'm cooking me some food. No, I do not celebrate any resurrection, anything, but I want some chicken and dressing. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I I'm slaying the fatted calf myself, so I'm good. Eh, you know, I'm I'm more on the pagan side of things. I like Easter bunnies. It's funny. I'm cool with it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so so en- enjoy the pagan side of the holiday, everyone. <laughs> and on that note, you know, we thank Alfred and Carl. You know, this is a wonderful show tonight. We're glad that you guys are back. So we lo- we are looking forward to a show two weeks from now. Thank Yay! you, Raina Rose. Tonight. Thank you, Carl and Alfred, for having me as part of your show tonight. I wanted to acknowledge that we had a show yesterday, which was part one of this discussion. We are encouraging you, our listeners and our supporters and our motivators, we're encouraging you all to listen to these conversations. We're encouraging you to take these conversations further. We're encouraging you to learn from them. Most importantly, we are encouraging you to listen. Listen more. Talk less. And if you have someone coming to you saying that they are being abused, you know, you sit down, you talk to them, you find resources for them. You know, um, not everybody is crying wolf. And don't make that assumption at the beginning. Don't call them crocodile tears. None of that. It's not fair. It's not right. And, you know, we don't want to see anyone else lose their lives, um, you know, over this type of situation. Life gets better. We can do better. We need to get out here in the community, and we need to not only talk the talk, we need to start walking the walk. So I encourage you to stretch yourselves. Stretch yourselves and 
get out here. You know, even if you don't have, you know, any resources to contribute, the one resource you do have are your ears, your time, you know, a hug. Sometimes that's all a person needs. So, you know, again, thank you. We thank you for listening live. We thank you for listening to the archives. Feel free to reach out to Carl, Alfred, Raina, myself, anybody that's part of the Black Freethinkers family. And, you know, we got Vita, Emmeline, Mario, you know, Danielle is a part of the family. Thank you, guys. Just reach out. Talk to somebody. We posted information. You all have a great, wonderful weekend. We love you very much. Hey, Carl and Alfred, excellent job tonight. And we are out. Thank you, everyone. Good night. See ya.